podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. Happy 1st of May indeed. You can notice if you look around, if you're observant at all, that May has arrived in the sense that everywhere is starting to look rather green, isn't it? Isn't it delightful? I absolutely adore the spring and the summer. And if you just take time to step back and have a look, the blossom on the trees, the leaves are starting to, to, to show the cells, the hawthorn hedges out. It's age related, this is by the way. Anybody under the age of 30 is like, oof. But it's incredible when we look around and see that the summer is fast approaching. And it's easy, isn't it? When you look at uh, spring and summer, it's much easier than in the winter to look and see. If that's Siri, tell her I'm there later. (laughs) It's easy to look around and be hopeful. Don't you think? Easier. When you look at the trees and they're bare and it's cold and you know the nights are dark and nobody cares. (laughs) It's not particularly hopeful, is it? Whereas when you look now, everything's just full of life, isn't it? Everything's full of life. The, the rabbits have increased tenfold. Anybody else notice that? Honestly, if I roll my ankle on a rabbit hole once more, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in need of surgery. It's ridiculous. There are rabbits everywhere. So we need the, uh, what are the uh, buzzards to increase as well. The circular life and all that. But to be full of hope, to see that there is a future. There is sunshine. There is a nice green uh, fields, or there are nice green fields, nice green trees, and it fills us with joy and with anticipation for what's coming. Kev spoke last week, following on from Easter, as Jesus then ascended into heaven. The disciples of Jesus are then left looking into heaven thinking, what now? What now? They're told, aren't they, that the Holy Spirit is going to be sent. So stay together in Jerusalem and wait. Who here likes waiting? Oddly, not a show of hands. We're ever increasingly, are we, in a society of we need it now. Anybody else do the uh, Amazon Prime thing where you flick it to Prime because I want it really quickly? Anybody else go for, if you pick the right products, this is a true story, you can get it same day delivery. Isn't that amazing? Order it in the morning, have it before 3pm. There never was such a time to be alive. (laughs) We like things quick. Yet the disciples here are told to wait. Jesus came back to life they were filled with joy and expectation they were filled with hope and anticipation and then Jesus says I'm now going but there is one that is going to come but you'll have to wait now when you put yourself in the account then think about the disciples position in this moment 
Truthfully, one of their friends, their closest allies, has betrayed Jesus to the point where Jesus is crucified. He earns 30 pieces of silver for it. And he takes his own life because he realises that the short-term gain was not really wise at all. The heartache that they've experienced in the last few weeks is horrendous. Jesus is nailed to a cross. They see everything play out in front of their eyes. And truthfully, in those moments, they would be heartbroken, devastated. One of our own has done this to our master. And then Jesus comes back to, back to life. And they're like, wow! Jesus appears to them. They walk, they talk, they eat with him. Incredible! Now that's worth celebrating. Yet now he's going again. Like Jesus, we are just in need of a wee bit of consistency here. Because everything is all over the place. Remember, these are human beings. They, they think, they act, they behave just like you and me. And I like things to be steady. The up and down is not good for the old ticker, is it? I just want to know what's coming. And then I can think about it and process it. And I can make sure I'm ready for it. And Jesus says, go to Jerusalem and wait. As he leaves via a cloud lift. The ascension. Now, Jerusalem, let's just paint a picture here. It's pretty hostile, eh? The disciples have been through all that turmoil, all that adrenaline that's been going off. They've walked and talked with Jesus. They've eaten with him. He's now gone up into heaven. And the angels sort of say to him, why are you looking intently? He's not here anymore. But there is one that is coming. So go and wait. Go and wait in Jerusalem. They're like, Jerusalem? Well, that's not a hostile place, is it? You know the same Jerusalem where they arrested Jesus and then crucified him just outside the city walls? That one, yeah. The one where, do you follow Jesus? No, not me. I don't follow him. No. No, I've never even met him before. No, I'm not from there. You remember? That Jesus. Oh, you want us to wait into Jerusalem? You want us to wait there where everything's so peaceful and everybody's so kind to us that follow Jesus? Have you ever thought about it like that? It is hostile. We, we saw, didn't we, and Kev pointed it out this morning, that they would be fearful for their lives. That's the reality. They've just witnessed Jesus be crucified and their followers of his. And now they're saying Jesus is back alive because that would go down well. That's great news that all those in Jerusalem were looking for, eh? No, not at all. In fact, quite the opposite. And the reality in this moment is that there would be a whole lot of fear and dread. We've got to wait in a place for something that we don't know what it looks like. How will we know? How long do we wait? Where do we wait that's safe? But in this section that we're going to read this morning... There is a whole lot of faith and obedience in action. 
Faith and obedience, we've seen before, they go hand in hand. And the faith and obedience in this, uh, this short passage that we're going to read is just incredible. Faith that God is in control, even in a hostile environment. And obedience as well then, to carry out what the word says. So let's have a read. Acts chapter 1, verse 12 through 26. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James and Simon and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer. You bet they did. We've painted the picture they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering around 120, and said, brothers and sisters, or Adelphi, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language that and that is the field of blood for uh, for said peter it is written in the book of psalms may his place be deserted let there be no one to dwell in it and may another take his place of leadership therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us for, of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. I'll pause there for a minute. We worship the same Jesus today. I'll read it to you again. Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. So take over, uh, to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask right now that as we look into your word, Father, as we've read your word, that you would open up our hearts and our minds. That, Father, that we would see the faith and obedience in action. Father, that you would speak to us through your scriptures. Father, that you'd speak through me. We just ask, Lord God, that you would just bless us now as we share together in this word. We ask these prayers in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 
So once they arrived back in Jerusalem then, the apostles, along with the women, uh, Jesus' mother Mary and Jesus' brothers, they pray constantly, the word says in verse 14. It's a good place to start, isn't it, in any scenario. I mean, this scenario, well, prayer is definitely needed. To pray. Yet although the apostles' number is down by one, the number of followers that surround is 120, the word says. Notably, though, Jesus' brothers are there. Now, they were certainly not advocates of Jesus doing what he did prior to his crucifixion. In fact, quite the opposite. They weren't so keen on Jesus being who he said he was. Naturally, brothers and sisters are like, of course you are. That's just how we are, isn't it? You know, oh yeah, you're, you're good at that, of course you are. You're that, oh yeah, of course he is. Oh, he's the son of God. Yeah, well, we were raised with him, so. And you see, naturally, their mindset is, we'll just keep our distance from Jesus. Yeah, he's the, he's the odd brother. <laughs> We've tried with him, but he seems to keep going on about the same stuff. The four brothers then, James, Judas, Joseph and Simon, in this moment though, are seemingly all present. So what's changed? Well, Jesus was crucified, first of all. But nevertheless, if Jesus is crucified for saying who he is, and they were all along going, do you know what? We thought he was a bit crackers. Then why are they there now? You'd be elsewhere, wouldn't you? You'd be as far away from this scenario as you could be, nudging each other and saying, it were inevitable, weren't it? That was always going to happen. I cannot believe it. What has he done? My mum is heartbroken. Yet they're not. Well, of course they're not. We can only assume, can't we, the process of elimination in this scenario here is that they've seen the risen Jesus. They have come into contact with their brother who was killed. He's now back alive. And now that changes everything. Because everything that Jesus said he was, he actually is. As much as I want to try and push back against that, I have now seen him raised from the dead. I was part of the group that we've walked with him and talked with him. I've seen him eat. They crucified him. Yet he's here. So naturally then, of course they're in the room. Why wouldn't they be? Their whole life has been turned upside down. Everything they thought they knew about their brother was in actually, actual fact wrong. He was indeed the Messiah. He was indeed the Son of God. And all the pushing back that they've done would change here. And don't think for a second that they're there just to support mum. Remember, their lives would be at risk. Don't think for a second that this is just a nice, you know, it was a nice upper room and it was a nice place to be. No, they were, they were after their blood. That's the reality of this scenario. But the brothers are there. Of course they are. Because where else would we be? We have seen the risen Messiah. 
It is the only rational conclusion for the moments that we see. So now then, they're all together and they pray in faith and obedience. They do then what the Lord has asked them to do. Peter stands up. His leadership qualities now are on display, just as Jesus said they would be. His leadership qualities are on display. And what does Peter do? He doesn't sort of rally around and say, guys, we're going to be all right. Let's just stay together. We're going to be okay. We'll just hunker out for as long as we possibly can. No, he goes to what the Word says. Straight away, he does what the Word says. There were 12 apostles. Now there are 11. Verse 20, for uh, uh, Peter said, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, Peter says, it's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Peter realises that there's a hole that needs to be filled. There's a gap that needs to be filled. May another take his place of leadership. It's amazing, isn't it? When you go back to the Psalms and you see David pen this, right? Quite a number of years before this scenario. David pens this. He knew then, didn't he, that Judas Iscariot would betray Jesus because that's what you do when hundreds of years are in advance and you go, well, I know what's going to happen. Oh, no, I believe something else might have been at play, hey? God, of course, is illuminating David to say, this is what you need to write. David had no idea what he was writing. Yet he knew that God was in control. God, of course, as 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all scripture is God-breathed. So therefore, David was able to pen something that seemed completely random and out of context that is absolutely precise for this moment here. That's what God does, isn't it? May another take his place of leadership. And then as you see then, church, that now, with the evidence that we've got in front of us, the brothers that were so far away that they didn't want anything to do with him are now here. And of course, then, we see that Peter brings out the word to say this is what it says in the Psalms. A long time before this scenario happened, the evidence mounts up. It's compelling. It's convincing. So far, we're seeing that everything that God has set in motion is now playing out. Someone bigger than you and I is in control and has his hand on it. Amen. So then we get this moment of the qualifications for an apostle, verse 21 through 22. Therefore, it's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us. Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So the qualifications for an apostle in verse 21 and 22, it's got to be a male, being there the whole time as the Lord was living among them. And of course, witness the resurrected Jesus with their own two eyes. This is why then we go forward a little bit to 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7 through 10, that Paul states something. Let's have a look. 1 Corinthians 15 
verse 7 through 10. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, this is Paul speaking, last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul's saying, look, I had no intention of meeting Jesus at all. And we've gone forward just a, a while now. We've gone forward to Paul, who was an apostle. How was he an apostle? Jesus met him, didn't he? On the road to Damascus, Paul was going to get Philip, drag him back to Jerusalem and have him locked up. That's where Paul was going. And Jesus met him and said, Paul, Paul, what? Or Saul, why do you persecute me? And Jesus turned his entire life around and set him on a mission. So that's why Paul could say as an apostle that Jesus had set his life on track. And Paul was, uh, was numbered with the apostles because he had met the risen Jesus. He'd seen him, even though he didn't follow him. Jesus changed his life and the direction of it. Paul was an apostle. Why? Because Jesus added him. So then, they pick out in this moment, back now, they pick out two guys that fit the criteria and they cast lots. This was done in the Old Testament so that God would have the final say. It's a biblical principle for choosing a leadership replacement. And God then is going to have the final say on who this new apostle would be. Twelve is significant because of the 12 tribes of Israel, because of a remnant. And what you have to do is, if you want to do some further reading, you can go out and find, about, uh, find out about that. But what amazes me here in this moment, in the reality of all that's going off, that we've tried to paint a picture of, and I hope you're there, is that they didn't scatter. They didn't say, I'm not willing to wait. They didn't say, we can't wait in Jerusalem. Jesus hasn't thought it through. They didn't find themselves going, look, I would wait, but I've got so many other things I need to do. In fact, in faith and obedience, they trusted that God was in control. They didn't panic or doubt, although fear would have absolutely been present. They simply followed the scripture. They listened to Jesus, they prayed to God, and they adhered to the word. What a testimony. What a testimony, church. In the midst of a hostile scenario, they did those things. Faith and obedience in action, hand in hand. The question for us then this morning is, is God in control? You have to answer. Is God in control? And the second thing that we have to ask is, does God know what's best for the next stage? Is God in control, firstly, and does he know what's best? They are the two questions that we have to answer. If your answer's yes, like mine is, then we have to live it, don't we? We have to step into it. This is what God wills. Jesus says, go to Jerusalem, that hostile place. We have to step into it. If it's no, then what further evidence do you need? Don't just sit there and 
pretend like it's just an account. It's real life. And in fact, I would argue that it's life and death to actually find God. To realise that there is a saviour in the Lord Jesus Christ and he loves you. It's a life and death decision. So please don't sit on it. If you need more evidence, let's discuss it. Let's find out together. I'll open the word with you and we'll look. Let's go through history. Let's go through the word. Let's find out together. And let's see this man, Jesus, who was willing to give his life for you and for me. God in flesh, the very Messiah. And these apostles now are about to embark on something they, they could not even begin to imagine. God is about to use them in the most miraculous way. And the reason that he's able to use them is because of their faith and their obedience. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that as we've looked into your word this morning, that, Father, that you would indeed just open up our hearts, that, Lord, you would just let your word settle on hearts. And I pray, Lord God, that if there's anybody in here that doesn't yet know you as their own personal saviour, that, Father, they wouldn't leave this place without asking questions. That, Father God, that if they need time, perhaps in the moment, to, to write some questions down and to come back, that, Father, that you would prompt them to do that. Father, we want people to see you. We want people to find the love that you have got for each one of us. And I just pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit might move and that, Lord, lives might be changed. And, Lord, I ask for us that know and love you, that you would help us, Father, to walk with you in faith and obedience, that we wouldn't be uh, apprehensive of the next steps, but we know, Lord God, that you're already there. And that changes a mindset because you're in control. So just be with us, Lord. Strengthen us. Bless us, we pray. We ask these prayers in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.